Welcome to Tech London, a show featuring interviews with London's top creative entrepreneurs, startups, investors, design agencies, internet marketers, and freelancers that make up the Tech London online community, which mostly lives on the Slack instant messaging platform. We rotate through both hosts and guests for these interviews, so you have the chance to hear from multiple perspectives on London's tech scene. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Tech London podcast. We're going to get right into it today because my car's on double yellow lines outside the studio. So, Matt Hodgkinson, what are you known for and what would you like to be known for, sir? Hey, Bernie. Uh, Great to be talking with you, as ever. Uh, So, I help consultancies and rather perceived to be dull B2B companies to escape meh and inject a bit of intrigue into their positioning and messaging so that they can grab and earn and retain the attention of more of their ideal fit buyers. Um, How do I want to be known? Well, I'm I'm kind of already getting known as the chief mescapologist, which is causing a a few waves in a very, very small community of clients and, uh, and people who know me. What, what, why, why did you pick that name? Because I, 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 I just love anything you do, Matt, but what, what is going on with that name? <laughs> so it, it, it kind of came to me. We, a lot of what we do is changing perceptions around people's businesses. And that's, that all comes down to language. It's what we, it's what we tell people that we do. And you, you and I have done a lot of networking over the years together and separately and uh, the fact is whenever you go up to somebody seemingly and say what do you do in 95 percent of the cases what they come back with is like a job title or something rather dull and i know this this is all a bit kind of cliche and well known but it's never really all that captivating and you end up kind of looking over their shoulder for the next person or whatever they tell you you kind of think well i've just met seven of those you know what makes you different what's What's, what do you do differently? What, what, what stands out? And like you just said, what do you want to be known for? Um, because at the moment, you're known to be quite dull. Um, so when it comes to language, I do a lot of kind of research. I do a lot of kind of testing and, you know, playing around with different words and phrases. And this idea of mescapology came to me because I think the idea of meh has become common parlance i was i was told recently actually by an agency we're working with that it, it started on the simpsons yes it, i'm sure it did I'm, i, I yeah. don't know that for a fact i know i nearly claimed i did know that but that is <laughs> yeah so it's, it's just this idea of escaping me so that when you when you talk about any aspect of what you do in business uh, you, you're not met with that response so when people go to your website they're not thinking Neh. and when you say what you do they're not thinking Neh. And and instead they're excited and they're thinking, "F yeah, that's uh, that's something I can get interested in." There's, I, 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 you know, I've thought this for years. Is people people fall into this? This is what I think business people do. So you know, Anne Handley, I know, you know, is um, talks in her book about how people are very. Hello, I work with a range of people delivering a product that's specific to our clients' needs and all the people that uh you know stick in my mind they're like have have a bit of not forced charisma but they have they say something interesting you know yeah um yeah and i don't i nearly hesitate there because it's not like you have to be interesting but it's like you don't have to be so boring and compliant and you know no one likes you know people don't sit down and go like my god i really want to read another 
bland, middle of the road, so safe you want to kill yourself corporate statement. They want, you know, something with a bit of, you know, intrigue. Yeah. And, and it's not, you don't have to, like you say, you don't have to kind of be that flamboyant type. You don't have to be an extrovert. You just have to be different. What, what the, the problem we're suffering with at the moment, Bernie, and this is one of the reasons your content stands out is because it is different and you're very open about what you talk about and there's no kind of holds barred. And, but the, the vanilla kind of baseline of content online is people just, sharing the, the the dull and the drab and the day-to-day and at this i was the problem we've got is attention people don't pay attention to anything because we're all wash i was on a, a, a webinar with hubspot recently and somebody cited the stat that on average we see four thousand ads per day and that's that's just the ads that's not the organic content that we're bombarded with and the you know the cold emails and everything else four thousand ads and if we're gonna if we're gonna stand out and grab someone's attention, competing with all of that, then it's not gonna be the the run of the mill that's gonna grab that attention. It's gonna be what's different. Now I was sitting on the on a tube train a few weeks ago, and you've you've done this many times, I know, Bernie. You'll see pretty much there is a uniform in London and people, especially in winter where people will just wear black and dark gray coats and their scarves and hats and everything. There's no real color to it. There's, it's all very kind of 1984. And there was a guy sitting on this tube carriage in amongst all of this. And uh, no word of a lie, his jacket was just made of what looked like crow feathers. And it was this big bulbous jacket made of crow feathers. And it was, it couldn't have possibly have just come from fabric or it wasn't on his way to fabric, but it was that kind of outfit. And he got my attention. As, you know, he's the one who stood out and who I'm talking about now. I couldn't, I couldn't put a, a face or any kind of description to anybody else on that carriage. And it's because what is different gets noticed, gets the attention. So you don't have to be the best at everything even. It's just be different. That, that description of the tube carriage. Like now, now I don't live in London and I come in and get on the tube like, you know, once a month. It, like I cannot believe I tolerated that for so long. And, and, and everyone is like, you know, grey and black even though they're, they're, they're individuals. That's, 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 yeah. that's really accurate. I, I was um, – as you were talking, I was trying to remember when you said the word advert just now is um, – there was something I was listening to, and it was it was Google AdWords, and it was for lawyers, and it was for divorce divorce lawyers, and they also they all all the all the adverts, and there was like fifteen of them in this thing with like best divorce lawyers, divorce lawyers for you, and I, there was no point. And one of them said, um, one of them, I can't remember where it was. It was a question like, you know, do you know if your husband's cheating on you? And out of everything, and everyone was like saying that. First, that was about the person, you know, yeah. about, you know, if you're cheating on me, Matt, that's got my attention immediately. And then it wasn't, all the others were like, just, just can you imagine how many of those you read if you're in that situation? And they all say and the it, same thing and you become immune. That, that's exactly it. And uh, it's, it's the problem with TV advertising. The best they can do is to profile the kind of person who watches that particular TV show in which you've got that ad or the show that's about to start or the show that's just finished and kind of think, okay, well, what sort of products should we pitch to that that sort of person? But 
it's always going to be too generic and we will always have to sit through ads for stuff that just aren't applicable to us. And this is, this is the basis of attention. This is what a lot of people miss out on. I think when they're advertising when they're targeting the right people, the very first thing you've got to make anybody feel within a split second is this is for me. They've got to identify themselves in the, in the proposition, in the message, in the way that you're speaking in the headline um, and and I think a lot of us, well, a lot of people fail to to do that, fail to capture that sort of response, and then within a, another split second, you got to you got to make them feel that they haven't heard or seen anything like that before. And you know, you can get scientific and start talking about the amygdala, the, the reptile brain, and the fact that it's looking for things, you know, in order to keep you safe, and it will notice things that are out of the ordinary, and it will be your you're kind of, you know, your night watchman, basically, keeping you safe. But it's also the bit that will say, is this worthy of your attention? Have you seen or heard this before? And that's the kind of thing that stops you falling for scams and and looking out for the, you know, the bad actors and the ne'er-do-wells in the crowd. And your messaging has to break through that. Uh, so what what looks like the person what, what kind of challenges are they facing? What are they going through that you can resonate with and tap into? And then what can you say that's going to be different that they wouldn't have heard before? Those are the two things to focus on. And as a, because I don't really want to say the word, you know, a consultant. So I, I avoided that word for years. And sometimes I just need to use that word. Um, I, I like the way, you know, when I was a story brand guide, we started calling each other, you know, they like the word guide, but not everyone knows that. It's not in the public lexicon. So, yeah. but how can you like be a consultant without being a consultant? Um, that's, a, that's a great question. I mean, because a lot of people hold a lot of stock in the word consultant. They recognize it. And I talk a lot about the fact that if you're going to use different language that stands out, that isn't common parlance to grab that attention, then what you, what you stand the fear of doing really is to stop yourself from being discoverable, that people tap stuff into Google. You've got to be found for what people understand that you are. So they might look for a, a co-working expert, a co-working consultant, for example. And, you know, that, that would be quite a common thing. And maybe, I, I don't know of any others, clearly there's only one in my mind, but there, there might be others out there. So what, what can you say that's, you've got to match the pace of the buyer. You've got to match the pace of the people whose attention you want. So you can't be too kind of out there with some people. And especially in consultancies, they want to be seen as professionals. So whilst you might have companies out there that refer to themselves as magicians and ninjas uh, and and commanders, it's um, it's not going to resonate with a lot of people. And they're going to think, no, we can't say that. People are just laughing at us. So there's a balance to be made, but you know, consultants can be any number of things. You know, one of the another word that's a, a little bit meh still, but partner. Um, when people say that we are your your digital transformation partners, now that that, that is a very meh term, and it's it's so overused out in the uh, in the online space. But the word partners, at least, kind of uh, it creates this perception of parallel of that you're going to have somebody who is on a level with you. It sets the right tone for the working relationship. But um, And experts, you know, a lot of people 
might be a bit of Britishness in us. You know, we don't like to sing our own praises. Experts, you know, people feel like, oh, we're going to be on the hook. We need to be the absolute. We have to know everything. We have to be, you know, that real academic type. And in reality, you just need to know a bit more than the, the, than the client you're working with to be perceived as an expert. Um, so there's, a, there's an element of that, you know, wanting to put yourself out there, put your head above the parapet, be brave about these things. And, you know, there's plenty of language out there that you've been using that, um, that matches the pace of the buyer, but also doesn't sound like what everybody else is saying. So, so the, the other thing I'm dying to ask you about is, um, is positioning, because that is, in, you know, different guises of the Bernie Mitchell machine. Um, when I, th- I think it was, I don't know, whenever it was, I'll be years trying to reminisce, but at some point I understood positioning much better. Um, and there's a book that's on the tip of my tongue, which you probably know, um, which was about which was about positioning. So can you explain a bit about that? Yeah. Well, positioning is really about the perception that people have. The, the way that I describe it is it's a lens. It's the lens through which your ideal buyers see your value proposition. Now, if your positioning is off, and it's again, positioning is really just down to the language. It's what you use to describe your, your value proposition in the context of your ideal buyer. But if that lens is off prescription, if it's shaded, if it's scratched in some way, and if it stops the buyer from seeing your value proposition in, in its, all its glory, in ultimate clarity, then that's when your positioning is off. That's when you don't get the attention. That's when you know they just scroll past you and go on to the, to the next thing. So positioning when done well. It allows your buyers to see what you're doing, to get excited about it, to understand that it's relevant and it's going to help them. And, and therefore compel them to, to respond. Cause, you know, I talk a lot about attention and having to grab that, but it's actually grabbing attention is one thing. Having people actually respond to you, to get in touch, to reply to your email, to accept your, your connection request on LinkedIn, whatever it might be. You know, that's, that's quite an additional step. It's, um, you know, these are, these are all micro commitments. You've got to lead people on a journey. And getting your positioning right is, uh, is, is really key to that. It's about your communicating your worthiness to that, to that particular individual in front of you. And how, um, how do you avoid being, I mean, sorry, sorry for my leading questions, Matthew. Um, you know, you know, the, like, as consultants, you hear, you go online and you hear, you know, people like Jonathan Stark and Matt Hodgkinson say, you know, this is how I built my other. And then you, you start out as this guy or girl, um, and you know, uh, you know, I've met so many people who are like really well equipped to help someone, and they don't know where to begin with helping someone. And you don't want to be you don't want to be the person sliding into people's DMs. So, like, how, how do you how do you get started? I think again, when it comes to escaping meh and um, being noticed, it's about taking a different approach as well. And what I'm um, a part of my own positioning and and as as a business is about um, taking a stance very strongly against all of these people that are perpetuating the the, the cold mass outreach uh, kind of way of reaching people. So you know we've got all these LinkedIn automation tools out there at the moment, like Dripify and Duck Soup and Meet Alfred and all of these types of things. And what they'll what people see there is this ability to reach thousands of people and you know can, they, they think personalization is hailing people by their first name and that that's enough for them to think 
oh, this message is for me. I need it's, it's deserving of my attention. And that's clearly not the case. So I think the next step in terms of being able to get that attention and it, it's the, the approach as much as anything else and doing something different. So, for example, um, I mean, you'll, you'll no doubt have come across Daniel Disney in your um, in your journeys. He's a kind of LinkedIn expert. And I was reading a book of his recently, The Ultimate LinkedIn Messaging Guide. And what I get on a day-to-day basis is this connect and pitch. It's people requesting to connect with me and then just dumping on me their entire value proposition in two paragraphs with an invitation to book a call on their calendar. They haven't even asked me if I need what they do. They haven't diagnosed me in any way. In many, many cases, they are way offbeat, you know, trying to pitch me something that I will never need. So it's back to those adverts for the for the inappropriate stuff. Um, it's just it's it's irritating. It's it's um dis- it's not disruptive. It's just interruptive, and it's um it's taking my attention away from things that are more deserving of my attention. So the flip side to that is about taking you know, and this and this again is part of our values. It's always taking a personal, manual, hyper personalized approach to talking to people as human beings. And that sounds like, to you, that's going to sound, of course, Bernie, because that's always been your way, like the baseline. You know, that's the, that's the bargain basement level of human interaction. But for many, it's been forgotten. It's been sidelined. It's been swept aside in favor of this, let's just tell everybody about my crap proposition that may or may not be fit for you. And maybe one in a million will, will actually respond and give me their business. So do different as well as say different, I guess, is the uh, is the message from that. I, I have so many tools and gadgets that I've brought on AppSumo over the years that would allow me to, uh, pro- you know, message thousands of people in one hit with a thing. There's been, yeah. I think, I, don't, I can't remember that, like, in all my time on LinkedIn, which is, like, since 2008, I've only ever messaged everyone once. I can't remember what it was for, but it was it was really good, um, and it was it was kind of worth it because so many people responded with, and I wasn't selling anything. I'm keen to say, but it was it was yeah, yeah. It, was, it was like Live Aid or something. But um, God, it was you know it was, you don't get it anymore, do you? But it used to be so tempting to you know I've got a great offer. It's fifty percent off if you buy before midday. Um, the the um, when, when people message me. I, 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 do, you know, do you know Text Expander where you can have all these shortcuts and yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have this whole blog post ready. So I type in blog Z and respond, and I put the person's name in because I want to personalise it. So like, dear Matt, you know, thanks for your interest today. Here's how we do things, and it explains all the networks, Slack groups, all the co-working stuff. You know, everything I'm connected to, and at the end it says, so if I was going to buy a um, you know IT consultant, I would probably get it from you know one of these thousands of people and mm-hmm. every so often someone comes back with a oh thanks for your thing i know she said this and and every so often someone is like genuinely in it but most people never reply probably because they're a bit annoyed but it, it, it is insane how people think that's okay so something something I want to drop on you i was um i can't remember who it was otherwise i would definitely credit them but they said the problem with that type of marketing and growth hacking is, is it's fueled by venture capital. 
So, you know, someone puts a million, you know, 10 million into your account and they want fast growth and return and you will hang up your, you know, humanity and hit as many people as you can in order to get a result. Because when you do hit thousands of people, you know, like you do get a little bit of a result. So it's it's stamped in the face of organic growth for, you know, quick return. And uh, yeah, yeah. And I think that's what... Um you're absolutely right. It's, it's determined by the environment. If you're in that PE environment where your your investors are driven for growth, and they'll be looking at history, they'll be looking at past performance, they'll be looking at the fact that people have been sending out these these mass emails, and they know that, well, they equate that to scale. And the reality is that the world is changing. Um, again, I mean, we we've never been in that position before where we're hit with 4,000 ads plus all the organic content on a day-by-day basis. And it's rising. You know, nobody's kind of taking their foot off the gas pedal when it comes to creating content and messaging and outreach and everything else. And what they're looking at is performance at a time when we were more tolerant and people are becoming far less tolerant at a much, much greater pace than ever before. Uh, I, I feel like... Humanity is saying, "Look, enough is enough," and and I'm just, I'm, you're going to really have to win me over now if you're going to get my attention and if you're going to get me to respond to anything that you ask or tell me to do. And and the, that's that's why these things are so ineffective now. And the, we're having to dial it back to basics. And and you know, things go in cycles as well. You know, I'm always. Um, I was interested in which channels are working right now. And it tends to, much like the housing market, tends to go in like seven, eight, ten-year cycles. So direct marketing always makes a comeback every now and then, you know, putting that lumpy mail through the through the door box or the letterbox. And and then in a couple of years' time, it'll be back to some sort of digital advertising that's uh, that's winning the day. But the constant is that whatever channel you're using, whatever method of getting in front of your potential buyers or any or partners or any other type of you know person that's going to um, help you, hopefully mutually, uh, that the message is is the constant. It's the message that will do the work and get the attention. No one channel is dead. You know, people say email marketing is dead or Google ads are dead, whatever it mm-hmm. might be. It's always the message. The message will make anything work. And uh, and that's that's the importance of positioning again. That 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 thing is um, when you know, like as a as a consultant, you don't need you know you're not you're not selling widgets. So it's not like you need ten thousand people. I was in some roundtable like 2014 or something ages, and I was like, oh my god, I don't have like traffic and uh, and um, whoever was running the workshop said. You know, so how many clients could you handle a month? And it came, all of us were like four to six, you know. Like yeah. if I if I had, if I was doing like 15 clients, you know, I'm not an agency. I'm an individual lone ranger, independent economic agent. My face would fall off if I had more than that. And, and it was about keeping the, you know, the, the, the challenge was like keeping the messaging and marketing going because you either, as soon as you get some clients, you forget to tell anyone and then they all leave and then you have to, you know, panic. So, um, yeah. so last question is: If you so it's where are we now? May twenty twenty three. As a as an independent economic agent, what what channel would you what channel would you invest your time in, and what channel would you like hang up on for now? 
consultancies for anybody in the B2B space, LinkedIn is is untouchable. And I still think it's untapped. I know it's, it is one of the most misused as well. It's the one where I get the most of those connect and pitch requests, as I say, every day. And you can, you know, you have to bat them away constantly. But the people are doing who are doing consistent and different things on LinkedIn right now are absolutely killing it. There's a, a guy, have you come across Chris Doe? Who, uh, oh, I think uh, I name, yeah. So yeah, Future 23. Yeah, if you, um, I mean, he's, he's great at putting out these carousel document posts and he does them on a daily basis. They're always well-crafted. The message is always on point and he gets incredible amounts of engagement. He's got a huge following on LinkedIn. You just see people like that who are absolutely killing it. And there are a handful that just come up in my feed and you just see it's not all about the engagement, by the way. There's a you know, there are other more more important metrics. People are checking your profile. Check your profile views, make sure that people are actually checking you out as a person. That's a that's better than just, you know, thumbs up and claps and smiley faces and everything. Um but it's those that are being more, most prolific on LinkedIn that are being most respectful of people's um, personal space, if you like, in terms of their inbox and their DMs and what have you. Those are the ones that are that are winning for me. Um, as I say, no channel is dead, but I think the things I think there are. If I were going to retire one, I would retire any sort of paid outreach at least until you've made one organic channel really work for you. If you haven't got the sort of response and the wins from an organic channel up to this point, then ads aren't going to fix your problem. Reaching more people isn't the problem. It's a conversion issue. It's put back people really buying into what you're doing, buying into your message, being compelled to get involved and take uh, and make a response. And once, you've, once you're getting that response, that's the time, if you need to, to scale it. But as you said, most of the people we deal with, aren't looking for huge numbers of new clients. The most um, common response when I ask, how many new clients do you need in the next year? It comes down to one a month, yeah. 12 a year on average. And some come back and say, we need one a quarter. We're dealing with clients who, you know, the lifetime value of a deal for them, for a client into their business is six, sometimes seven figures. And, uh, and so, you know, they don't need too many to make game changing differences to their fortunes. And, um, and so you can keep it personal. You can keep it small scale. You don't need to dominate any one particular channel. And you certainly don't in many cases need to be paying for traffic to make that happen. Beautiful. Where can, um, first just spell out how you help people and where people can find, find you. And we'll put links in the show notes. Yeah, well, there's really two stages to, to what I do. So there's two ways to escape meh. And uh, the first is to fix your position and create a competitionless position in the marketplace. And that's what we help our consultancy and B2B clients to do. Uh, we've got a program um, called Mescopology, which helps them to do exactly that. Um, so they can contact me about that. The other phase of what we do is essentially helping them to then activate that position in the marketplace to get the attention they deserve. And if you're interested in the process, it just happens to be that um, just about a month ago, my first book called Mexcopology um, was released on Amazon. So that'd be a great way for you to ingratiate yourself into the way of thinking. And, um, and then, yeah, reach out to me if you'd like to chat more. We'll, we'll put a link in the show notes to that. Is, is it, you know, I'm going to ask, is there an audio one yet, Matt? And you have I've got all the gear, but as you've just heard, that microphone is uh, needs a bit of work. So, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm doing it all myself. Yeah. But, um, yes, it will be coming. Yeah, very, very soon. 
that's it. That I I I still remember our F seven days, you know, <laughs> with great yeah. with great love. Um, and you know, I love the I love. I think it's like ten years now. I just love seeing your career and adventures blossom over this time. So thanks for your time today, Matt. And ladies and gentlemen, link in the show notes. And if you go to, we'll put a link in the show notes to the Creator Right Club. And that means you can go and sit in a London co-working space every weekday from 10 to 12 and meet with other people who are like writing everything from sales letters to academic papers to, you know, whatever you want to do. And it's a great way of like, you know, one of the key things about growing your network, your business, your projects is connecting with other human beings. So get out your house 10 to 12 every day in central London co-working space. Thanks very much, folks. Say goodbye, Matt. Thanks, Bernie. Bye. You've been listening to the Tech London Show. If you're interested in joining the community or even making an appearance on this show, make sure you join our Slack group over at techlondon.io. Till next time.